We meet today in Isaiah chapter 39. Isaiah chapter 39, we are seeing Hezekiah and Babylon. Isaiah used the incident in this chapter to introduce the coming Babylonian captivity. Also, this chapter concludes the historic interlude. The first and the last sections are all prophetic and poetic of Isaiah. The transfer of the enemy of Judah from Assyria to Babylon is one of the outstanding features of this particular section. At this time, Babylon was a struggling city on the banks of the Euphrates River, unable to overcome the Assyrian. However, Babylon was to become the great head of gold in the times of the Gentiles, and that makes this chapter very significant. This chapter reveals the great blunder of Hezekiah's life and also his human frailty and weakness. Hezekiah's life was extended for 15 years. Was it good? It was not good. He lived to play the fool. Three terrible things took place during those years. And we need to be reminded that it is after the hour of great spiritual triumph that our worst defeats come. Elijah had the same experience after the spectacular victory over the prophets of Baal when he went into a depression and Jezebel's threat made him to run for his life and hide in the wilderness. And that is according to Second Kings chapter 19. Hezekiah receives the Babylonian ambassadors. King Hezekiah was generally a wise ruler who feared the Lord and helped his nation to prosper. Under his capable leadership, Judah regained much of the spiritual and political ground it had lost under King Ahaz. When we observe the siege of Jerusalem by the Assyrians in B.C. 701, we witness Hezekiah, strategic preparations and sincere faith, according to Second Chronicles chapter 32, verse 6 to verse 9. But late in his life, Hezekiah committed a serious blunder, one that many people also commit today. He made a foolish decision that placed his descendants in grave danger, yet justified himself with the thought, at least there will be peace and truth in my days. That's what he said in Isaiah 39 verse 8. In effect, he actually robbed his children's future by short-term comfort at the price of long-term interest. He is only happy to say that during his days, his time, his life, that's when peace and truth will be experienced. What of the times after you? Hezekiah's foolish choice was to show all of his treasures to the representatives of Babylon. And that record is given in Isaiah 39, verse 1 to 2, Second Chronicles 32, verse 27 to 31. So this was a serious mistake, actually, for several reasons. And when we look at it from several standpoints, it was a serious mistake. Let's consider some of the standpoints. First of all, it was a strategic blunder. 
militarily in that it revealed the relative strength of Judah's defense when he showed the Babylonian representatives uh, the treasures of Jerusalem. That was a blunder militarily. It revealed the strength of Judah's defenses. Secondly, it also revealed how much wealth the nation had, that is, how much wealth was there for the taking. In other words, it became an incentive to the Babylonians to say, let us overcome Jerusalem so that we would have a big loot. The tour was pointless in that it actually gained Hezekiah nothing. Perhaps he thought to persuade himself to the Babylonians, but instead he was giving away state secrets to a future enemy. Thirdly, and which I think is the most significant flaw in his action, is that his actions in revealing the treasures of Jerusalem, those actions were motivated by pride. He was proud. Prior to the coming of the ambassadors, the Lord had healed Hezekiah from a life-threatening illness. Yet despite God's kindness, Scripture records that Hezekiah's heart was lifted up. Second Chronicles 32 verse 24 to 26. Thus his presentation of his treasures was a way to boast and look good to the visitors from the east. There was nothing that he was going to gain except that he was showing off. Actually, one often sees similar behavior today. For example, it is very common for hosts to show off their homes to their guests. Especially, you can see it with men on other things, with women on other things. Women would like to show their their guests the furniture they have in their homes and they want to, to portray a certain image. And sometimes it is simply a trace of pride. And so hosts may show off their homes to their guests, sometimes even to the extent of opening closets and bringing out the prized possessions. And you ask the question, why all this? Likewise, Business owners often show visitors around their headquarters, pointing out expensive furnishings and equipment, making an extended delay at the trophy case simply to boast. What about showing off cars, furnitures, clothing, memberships, and other marks of success? What about dropping names as a way of bragging about who you are or revealing information to boast about what you know. Behaviors like this are not much different from what Hezekiah did in front of the Babylonians. Perhaps the saddest outcome of Hezekiah's pride was the impact it would have on those who would succeed him. Isaiah told the king that someday the Lord would allow the Babylonians to return and clean out the treasures they had seen. And that record is in Isaiah 39, verse 5 to verse 7. Amazingly, Hezekiah viewed this as a good word from the Lord because he boasted in Isaiah 39, verse 8. The only way he could think 
was that if he had only his own interest in mind. Apparently, that was the case, for he said, at least there will be peace and truth in my days. That is not a good way of looking at things, to think that if things should only happen according to your own interest, peace and truth only in your days. He said to himself, Yet again, how different was Hezekiah's attitude than that of many today who push off the hard choices with the result that their children will have to deal with the consequences on issues ranging from unresolved personal problems to community and social needs to national debt to Earth's environment. People often can see that sooner or later disaster will strike unless something changes. Yet they tend to push off those changes into the future because the pain of making them today is just too great. Like Hezekiah, they tend to think, at least I won't have to deal with the crisis when it comes. Someone else will deal with it. This is a clear message to all of us, to those in the church, to those in the political leadership. What legacy are you leaving for your children? What legacy are you leaving for the children who will come after you? For your nation be proud of you even hundred years after you are gone. Will the people who will come to your church where you are leading be proud of you even 50 years after you are gone? Others left a bad legacy. And here Hezekiah was not thinking right. We are told that Hezekiah died in comfort in about 686 BC. A century later, just as the Lord had promised, the Babylonians captured Jerusalem and its king, Hezekiah's great-great-grandson, Zedekiah. The invaders plundered all the treasuries that Hezekiah had shown and took the riches back to Babylon. The record is there in Second Kings 25, verse 8 to 17, Second Chronicles 36, verse 17 to 21. Now let us consider the details of Isaiah chapter 39. Isaiah 39, verse 1. At that time, Merodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that he had been sick and had recovered. Again here, the chronology of the incident related in this chapter is vague. It is clear that it took place after Hezekiah's recovery, that it was associated with Merodach, Baladan's rebellion against Assyria in uh, 703 B.C. Merodach Baladan is a meaningless king to us, but his name is full of meanings, by the way. Uh, F.C. Jennings calls our attention to the fact that Merodach means a rebel and Baladan means not the Lord. You see, behind this king, of course, is Nimrod, the founder of Babylon, and Satan, who is the arch-rebel against God, and he is the god of this world. You see, these ambassadors brought a letter 
which flattered Hezekiah. They said, the king of Babylon has been concerned about you. He heard that you were sick and you have recovered. So he sends a gift to rejoice with you. What flattery this was. And Hezekiah was pleased with them and showed them the house of his treasures, the silver and gold, the spices and the precious ointment, and all his armory, all that was found among his treasures. There was nothing in his house or in all his dominion that Hezekiah did not show them. Isaiah 39 verse 2. You see, at this time, Hezekiah had not lost very many of the riches that David and Solomon had gathered. He had not lost any of those. He still had them. Now he made the mistake of showing his silver and gold, for he was immensely wealth. We are told in Second Chronicles 32 verse 27 to 28, Hezekiah had very great riches and honor, and he made himself treasuries of silver for gold, for precious stones, for spices, for shields, for all kinds of desirable items, storehouses for the harvest of grain, wine and oil, and stalls for all kinds of livestock, and folds for flocks. You see, he was in incredibly wealthy. Now, it is interesting how Hezekiah received the ambassadors from Babylon. They gave him a gift and a get-well card from the king. Instead of taking the letter and opening it before the Lord, like he did the letter from the Assyrians, he just put that letter aside. You see, they had flattered him. And so he gave the visitors a VIP treatment, a red carpet treatment. He took them on a tour of the grounds of Jerusalem. Solomon had cornered the world's gold market, and he had also cornered the market on quite a few other things. All of it was stored away in Jerusalem. Hezekiah foolishly showed this great wealth to his visitors who went back to their king and told him that when he was strong enough, they knew where he could get all the gold, all the silver, and the jewels that he would need to carry on and on a warfare. Hezekiah made a big mistake, and Isaiah heard about what he had done. So Isaiah comes and he speaks to him. Then Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and said to him, What did these men say? And from where did they come to you? So Hezekiah said, They came to me from a far country, from Babylon. And he said, What have they seen in your house? So Hezekiah answered, They have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not shown them. Isaiah 39, verse 3 to verse 4. You see, Isaiah's inquiry here may have been a preliminary to the coming of a message from God to him, so that he would himself understand its significance. It is more likely, though, that its purpose was to emphasize to the king the reason for the prophecy. His conduct had been unbelieving, and there may have been pride in it also. There were also two sins most often condemned by the prophet. In this incident, Hezekiah thought 
His welcoming of the Babylonians was wonderful, but Isaiah recognized the danger. It was a very foolish thing that Hezekiah had done. Here is Isaiah 39, verse 5 to verse 7. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and what your fathers have accumulated until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord, and they shall take away some of your sons who will descend from you, whom you will beget, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. You see here, Hezekiah's own resources may have seemed great to him, but those of the Lord were far greater, and they would be used in judgment against Hezekiah's people here. And that will be through the Babylonians. Hezekiah played the fool. He should never have shown his treasures to strangers. Through his folly, what others had gathered would be lost. His conduct had been irresponsible in terms of both his ancestors and his descendants. For the latter would suffer in the judgment to come. Now the Old Testament recognizes solidarity in sin and the falling of judgment when the iniquity of a group has come to full expression for God would tell us that he punishes the children and their children because of their father's sins. So what Isaiah predicted was literally fulfilled according to Second Kings 24 and 25 and even Daniel chapter 1. So Hezekiah said to Isaiah, The word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. For he said, at least there will be peace and truth in my days. Again, this is where I once talked about Hezekiah only interested in peace and truth in his days. He didn't care about what would happen to the generation that followed him. So here he acknowledges that God's word was good probably, this acknowledgement includes a recognition that the judgment of God was appropriate because he deserved it and that it was not altogether mixed with grace, with faith. This perspective may cause others to condemn his final statement as selfish and unfeeling. But this may not be the case. This statement is more likely to be a thankful recognition that God had not dealt with him personally to the measure of his desert or departure from God. Indeed, if God ever dealt with us according to the measure of our transgressions, <laughs> no one would stand. It is only by his grace that I stand today, and it is only by his grace that you can stand before him. The other way to look at Hezekiah's reply to Isaiah is that he is in effect saying, I am glad this prophecy won't take place in my day. If this is what Hezekiah was saying, then he did not have a full perspective of things, for his legacy is still very important and is at stake at the moment.
He was grateful that things would not come to pass in his days. But what about his children? What about his grandchildren and great-grandchildren? It did take place in their day. Evil came in their days. What will be the legacy that you leave for your descendants? You may involve yourself in a bribe to simply put food on the table today. You may even live an immoral life and you may not even see the consequences in your own life. But what about your children? What about those who will live after you? Please do not sell your birthright for a bowl of soup. For the consequences will far outweigh the pleasures of the moment. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send an email to info at twrafrica.org. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me repeat that email address for you. Info at twrafrica.org.